0: Welcome to the St. Benedict Parish Sunday Message Podcast. Thank you for listening. And now, here's the Sunday's message. Merry Christmas, everyone. I was just reflecting uh, a few minutes ago that uh, one year ago today, in this church, we were only allowed to have 100 people and there was no singing allowed. So it's quite a lot has changed since then. There's probably about five or six times that number of people here today. Now, Father Simon and I recently got into an argument. It was his fault, obviously. We were driving into St. Benedict from where we live in Lower Sackville, and the conversation got a little heated. We were talking about a television show that we had been watching, and he had just watched the season finale the night before, and uh, it went something like this. It was slow moving. No, it was building tension. There wasn't enough action. But the dialogue was sublime. The ending was too predictable. It couldn't have ended any other way. It was stupid. You're stupid. (laughs) I'll let you guess which one was me in the exchange. Now, maybe you've had a a similar experience debating your favorite movie with or whatever with some other person, and they just they don't get it. You know, they're just a little too simple. They don't have they're not sophisticated enough to appreciate true art. You might call them. A troglodyte. This is hypothetically speaking, of course. Now, the TV show in question that we were watching, over which we had heated disagreement, took place a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. (laughs) It's a show that takes place in the Star Wars universe called Andor. Just curious, how many people have seen the show? If you've raised your hand. Okay, so two of you. That's great. Okay, the rest of you, you can leave. I'm just going to talk to the two people who've seen it. All right. Well, it takes place in the Star Wars universe, and if if you're like one of those I've never seen Star Wars kind of people, you're you're troglodyte. But. Uh... Anyway, so Star Wars, what is Star Wars? It takes place, it's a sci-fi universe, right? It has classic good versus evil tropes, right? There's this galactic civil war between the rebels and the evil empire, and there's these warrior monks who use a special power called the Force, and they're doing battle against the evil Sith Lords with lightsabers and all kinds of cool stuff. Now, Andor is a prequel to the Rebellion. And ultimately, the television show is the story about the birth of a rebellion. The birth of a rebellion against a tyrannical evil empire in the name of galactic order oppresses its people across the galaxy, robbing them of freedom and grinding them down little by little, taking their freedom from them. And the show does a great sense of you feel that as they grind down the oppressed people in the show. Now there's a character in the show, and her name is Marva. She's the mother of the title character Cassian Andor. And there's a moment where she launches into this monologue. And she says this, There is a wound that won't heal at the center of the galaxy. There is a darkness reaching like rust into everything around us. We let it grow, and now it's here. It's here, and it's not visiting anymore. It wants to stay. Now, of course, Marva is describing the evil empire, this oppressive power in the universe. But for us in the real world, some of you are like, Star Wars, that is the real world. (laughs) There is a wound in the world, at the center of the world, that won't heal. And isn't it true that there is a darkness like rust that corrupts everything around us? Now, it doesn't take long to figure it out. If you watch the news or read it for any length of time, you're confronted with it pretty quickly. We see, uh, the, we see it everywhere we look, whether it's in the pride of a tyrant who decides to invade his peaceful neighbor in Ukraine, leading to hundreds of thousands of dead or wounded and millions of refugees. We see it in a world that stands on the edge of a global ecological crisis. We see this wound at the center of the world wherever we've witnessed uh, polarization, division, especially at what we've seen in response to the various responses to COVID, division even in the heart of our families, between people who love each other. We see it in a world where more than 700 million people live on less than $2 a day in abject poverty. There is a wound at the center of the world, a darkness that reaches like rust into everything around us, and we let it grow. Now, Christians have a term for this wound, And we call it sin. Human sin. We see it in the center of the world because we see it in the center of our hearts. Our propensity to choose selfishly. But what if I told you that Christmas was in fact really about the birth of a rebellion? That Christmas was the birth of a rebellion against the forces of the tyranny of oppression in the world, and the tyranny of human sin. And that, in fact, is what we celebrate this night. Now let me explain what I mean. Now historians have dated the birth of Jesus to somewhere between 2 and 6 B.C., Which is really incredible when you think about it, that Jesus was born at least two years before Christ. (laughs) Now at the time of his birth, the most powerful man in the whole known world was Emperor Caesar Augustus. And he had established empire throughout the known world in the Roman Empire. He brought it about by bringing an end to civil war within the empire, by conquering the enemies of Rome at the farthest reaches of its territory. With a single word, he commanded an imperial army of 250,000 of the world's greatest soldiers. And in his time as emperor, he brought about what is known the Pax, as the Pax Romana, the Roman Peace. That was the peace at the point of a sword. But it was peace, nonetheless. Now his exploits were immortalized by propaganda throughout the empire. Propaganda which we can even read today. For example, in Turkey, archaeologists have found inscriptions that have immortalized his exploits. And in these inscriptions, he's referred to as Savior, Lord, and God of the world. Caesar Augustus. Now that's the backdrop against which we read the story of Christmas. The story of Christmas is in fact a very subversive story that threatened the very foundations of the empire itself. And it, in fact, contributed to its eventual collapse. Now, the primary source document from which we read the account of Jesus' birth from Luke begins by describing this. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. And so Mary and Joseph, her betrothed, they traveled from Nazareth to Bethlehem to be registered. And Luke records that while they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Joseph apparently had neglected to book on Airbnb. (laughs) I would have loved to have heard that conversation. Hey, Hey, I... I found this great place. It's kind of rustic. (laughs) It'll look good on Pinterest, you know? It's a barn. There's animals. Now, so far, so good. It's just an idyllic little story about a child being born in unfortunate and unexpected circumstances. But Luke records that they captures the testimony of shepherds who are in the hill country just outside Bethlehem. Shepherds far away from the halls of imperial power, and they receive a message. Not a message from the, the messengers of the emperor, but a message from the messengers of heaven. And they experience this unexpected, spectacular vision of angels. Heaven breaking into this world, who declare the true nature of who this child really is. And they say, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Messiah and Lord. A Savior who is Messiah and Lord. In other words, heaven is declaring that this child is in fact the true Messiah and King and Lord of the world, not the Emperor Augustus. This in fact is treason in the empire. And anyone found saying such a thing could have been publicly executed. In fact, later on, many Christians were for saying this very thing. The Christmas message is, in fact, a message of rebellion. The birth of Jesus is about God breaking into this world. Heaven invading earth, upending corrupt power structures in the world. It's a, and more fundamentally, about healing the wound at the center of the world that we see every time we turn on, to, on the news. He came into the world to heal the tyranny of human sin and the brokenness that we find within ourselves. And Jesus is the one who does it by coming into the world to reveal the heart of his Father. That God is love. And by Jesus dying for our sins on a cross, and then rising from the dead to manifest the victory of God's power over even death itself. That God's love is more powerful than death. Now this is good news in a world Full of bad news. It's good news for anyone who's ever experienced oppression at the hands of another. It's good news for ever anyone who's ever grieved the brokenness that they see in the world. And it's good news for anyone who's experienced personal tyranny. Often, the worst kind of tyranny is the one we create for ourselves as we trap ourselves in patterns of negative behaviors that we can't seem to break out of. We hurt the people that we love despite ourselves. And at the 22 years of age, I found myself in just this kind of tyranny, a tyranny of my own construction. I was the victim of an oppression that ruled my life, an oppression that I created. You see, as a young university student looking for thrills and new experiences, I liked to party. And it was fun at first, but slowly I developed a habit, a drinking habit. Now, at the time, I didn't understand why I drank as much as I did. I just knew that I couldn't stop as hard as I tried. I was gradually worn down by repeated efforts to quit or stop and found that there was a power greater than myself that kept me in bondage to this habit I had built over years. And I was gradually ground down by its oppressive as each morning I would wake up and remember the night that happened before and filled with shame and regret about the things I had said or did and even worse, the things I couldn't even remember. And I realized just how far one day I had fallen when I woke up on a Sunday morning to drive my grandmother to church. And I was still drunk from the night before. It was just one of the myriad ways I had hurt the people in my life, the people that I was supposed to love and serve. And yet it was like being under the auspices of this all-powerful evil empire that controlled my every action, movement, that prevented me from living in freedom. And like Marva said, there was a wound that wouldn't heal, but it was at the center of my heart. There was a darkness reaching like dust into everything around me. And so it was until one day, in May of 2008, when I was reflecting on my desire to change. I wanted to change my life so bad, and yet I found that I didn't have the power. And then God broke into my story in a way as unexpected as the way he broke into history 2,000 years ago. I was uh, wrestling with this question, and suddenly I was confronted with the ugly reality of all the ways I'd sinned against myself and against others and against God and contributed to the darkness I saw in the world. And yet I was overwhelmed by this flood of God's love that filled my heart and my life. And this love, it totally transformed me. I, I found that as it filled me, it healed the wound in my heart. And that day, God was birthing something new in my life. It was the birth of this beautiful rebellion in which I received the love of God into my life for me. And I experienced a new joy, a freedom, a peace that I didn't know was possible, a love that I've never experienced uh, since. And he broke the power of that addiction over my life. I experienced him as Savior, And Lord. Now, I've seen him do this time and time again in the lives of all kinds of people who come alive when they discover the love of God breaking into their hearts. And I know he can do it for anybody who wants it, who desires it. And maybe there's someone today who, maybe you've never heard this message before. Or maybe you're hearing it for the first time in a new way. And you think to yourself, something's resonated with you. And you think that maybe, just maybe, this is possible for you. Will we enter into this rebellion by letting the rebellion be born in us? And so maybe there's someone here who has a wound in their heart that won't heal, and what you need is the gift that Jesus offers this Christmas. And so what I'd like to do is pray for you. So I invite you just now, if you want, to close your eyes. Because Jesus is here tonight. On this night, the angels declared, to you this day is born a savior. To you this day, he is born for you. And so, Jesus, we thank you for being born into the world this night. For giving birth to a rebellion in the world. This rebellion against oppression and sin and injustice. And Lord, we acknowledge on this night that there is a wound in the world that we cannot heal. That there is a wound in our hearts that we cannot heal. But Lord Jesus... Would you come and heal it? Lord Jesus, we're sorry for the times we've hurt others, that we've sinned against others, against you, and against ourselves. And Lord, I thank you, Jesus, because you are the love of God manifest to the world. And I pray right now that you would come into our hearts, that you would come into our lives, that you would come into this world right here, right now, in this moment, because you are the Messiah, Lord and Savior. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Be born in our hearts. May we all experience the birth of a beautiful rebellion this night. The birth of Jesus Christ, Savior, Messiah, and Lord of all the world. Thank you for listening to the St. Benedict Parish Sunday Message Podcast. If you liked what you heard today, subscribe and share this with a friend. God bless and have a great week.